Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. We're going to dive right into scripture. This is absolutely one of my favorites of all time. I've, I've preached on it a number of times. And this particular time I'm preaching on, I'm, I'm preaching on a little bit different than, uh, than before. It comes from Deuteronomy 6. And so we're going to dive right in. I'm going to read from uh, the CEB Bible today. Not the CEV, but the CEB Bible. Um, B is in Bravo. And uh, it's a really cool kind of translation. I want you, to, I want you to follow along with me. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Israel, Listen. Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your being, with all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house and when you're out and about, when you're lying down and when you're getting up. And it's beautiful. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city gates. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Now I'll give you a little bit of story from my past. Those of you that know me well or have been around me before know that um, I've always loved music. started playing music when I was uh, 13 years old. I got a guitar. It was a Gibson Epiphone. I had a little amp. It was a Boss amp. It was, I think the speaker was like maybe four inches big. It was just amazing. I could rock the window that was it that was it wasn't any wasn't the whole house at all but mel says it's always been part of me my wife melody says um it's always been such a part of me that when i'm not uh writing music or i'm not playing music or i'm not doing those kind of things that i'm a bit of a stinker it just it feeds me so much so when i get to write and play and part of why my gifts and ministry are music is is because it's always been such a big part of who i was i grew up playing in incredibly hot attics and garages and backyards our first real show ever like when i was in a band my first real show was actually pastor melody's 15th birthday party 15 years old we played her garage it was amazing we tore the house down the name of the band was skippy and the rat turds i will don't say this word at home kids but that was the name of the band it just is what it is the basis i wasn't skippy the basis was skippy and i guess the rest of us were insignificant or whatever but but it was awesome i can remember like it was yesterday we're out there you know the gravel driveway you know all the kids out there rocking out we're playing metallica and black sabbath songs and we're like we're like tearing it up and i remember just having such a great time acting like fools and i we played all the way through high school and different bands unfortunately Unfortunately, Skippy was only in a couple of the bands that I was in. He, uh, he didn't last that long. <laughs> and we played all through high school and had this band in high school called Seed. And we, 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 we were like this heavy metal, like rock out. He has super long hair. If you go scan the Facebook feed, my Facebook photos back in the day, uh, there's a picture, some pictures of long haired Matt. It's kind of crazy. Um, but we played this epic moment show in 1994, I think it was. And I'm showing my age a little bit at a place called Rocket Town, which was a club in Franklin. It was like a youth club. It was uh, Michael W. Smith started it uh, and we got to help help him build it. And it was really cool. And uh, and so we were playing a show there for this like summer jam, something or other. It was really our last big show as a band. And I just remember 
this incredible moment. Like, you know, <clears throat> it was hot in there and the lights were amazing. And I remember it like, you know, I play this huge chord on my guitar and my hair's like down. And I remember like flipping my hair back, you know, like straight, like this is the way it's supposed to happen. Like every music video ever flip back and I can see sweat <laughs> and grossness go flying like that. And I play this big chord and I look out and it's like, there's 300 something people in a very, very small place. And it's all of my friends, like in the front row, like my buddy Aaron's right there. He's going crazy. There's people crowd surfing on this. And I'm just thinking, this is the most amazing thing. And I look down and there's fog like rolling out over my feet off the front of the stage. And I'm just like, there's nothing better than this moment in my life right now. I loved it so much. And all I wanted, all I wanted as a kid was to be a professional musician, to do that all the time, to see the joy in people's faces as they're mangling each other in the pit. <laughs> I mean, like having such a great time. I wanted to be a professional musician and we wanted to get a record deal. That was like the most important thing. I loved and desired that. Now you see where I'm going. I loved and desired that with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind and strength. Well, this really cool thing happened um, about six years ago, and it actually happened this month, six years ago, with my band called Starboarders, that the very thing I had hoped for actually happened. We got a record deal. It was the coolest thing ever. It was this record company out of New York, which somehow made it even more impressive to us. I don't know why, but it was from New York. It was so much cooler. I was on cloud nine. It was the coolest thing ever. It was life-changing bucket list accomplishment to get a record deal. I loved it. I had desired it for so long with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. Now, small note, was not a good record deal. But it was just the fact that we got it was so cool. We didn't take it, it was fantastically awful. We had to walk away from it. But still, it was so cool to get that record deal. In a lot of ways, I'm so glad that we didn't pursue it because I love my life and I would be so sad if I didn't have my life and family the way that I do now. But it actually wasn't the first time that I was in a band that got a record deal. In 1996, leave me alone, I'm older, this is all right, I'll be, it's okay, you're gonna be all right. There's a lot of 1996 college people out here and in the room. Mid-college, 1996, it was the summer of the dream. The summer of the dream. I tried out, on the summer of 1996, I tried out for a bunch of touring bands. I had some connections that got me in and I tried out for a bunch of bands. Those of you who were listening to like Christian music back in the day would remember, maybe, you remember Jeff Moore and The Distance. They were like this really cool band, tried out for them, didn't make it, there was a number of other ones. I got the gig though with one of them called The Ones. My buddy Trent Dean was the lead singer and writer and he had all these creative ideas. And it was so much fun to be in this band. We're playing shows left and right. We're playing all over Nashville, doing our thing, recording, uh, rehearsals, all of that stuff, writing. It was amazing. And we got a record deal with a company run by Prince's guitarist. It was so cool. It was the coolest thing ever. It was everything that I had always wanted and my dream was finally there. It was right in my hands. I loved and desired that with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind and all of my strength. But here was the problem. I turned my whole body, my whole energy, my everything toward that one thing. I turned everything that I was toward that one thing that I loved and wanted with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. So much so that I turned away from my family. So much so that I turned away 
from the love of my life, Melody. So much so that I turned away even from the providence of God, thinking that I was I was all writing my own ticket now. I was writing my own checks. And I turned in on myself, my own wants, and my desires. And I'll never forget what Pastor Melody said to me. Matt, I'd never ask you to choose between that dream and me, but you are. So what's it mean, church, to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? Does it mean that we abandon everything around us except God? Does it mean that we give up on all of God's great gifts to us around us? Does it mean that we join a cult or something like that and kiss family and everything else goodbye? No, that's not the point of what God is getting at here. Not at all. This scripture in Deuteronomy is one of my favorites. I told you that before. It's one of my favorites of all time. And it gives us a great movement to understand God's love for us. And helps us to have a foundation for who we are and how we act. You know, God was speaking to God's people in such a way to say, hey, put all of those other things aside. All of those other gods that they're shouting at you, push them to the side because there is only one God. And it's me. And all I desire from you is that you worship me and love me first. That's what God's getting at. Help us to understand what it means. I was talking to, uh, we had Ash Wednesday, drive through ashes here. It was so cool. We were like, we were like slammed with cars the whole time. It was, it was amazing. And as these, as these folks were coming, sometimes I'd have some of the kids be like, uh, not really knowing what we're doing because for a lot of our families, Ash Wednesday is kind of a new thing. You know, for those that have been around church forever, you know, you come in, they tell you that you're going to die. <laughs> they put the cross on your forehead. Hopefully they don't, they don't make it with water and ash because that leaves a lie across that actually you could see forever. Right. So they put this oil cross on you. It smells interesting. All stuff. It's pretty normal for those of us that have been around church for a long time. But for some people, it's like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you putting those ashes on my head? Like, what are you trying to Show me here. What's this all about? And so to kind of explain it to kids like this, it's kind of like God calls us into this relationship, right? And in our baptism, we're so focused. Like in our focus is on God and it's God and me and we got a relationship and everything's good. But there's also, there's also this, um, it's also this shiny thing over here. And I kind of like that a little bit more than, than, um, I mean, you're great, right? But like the shiny thing is, really great and so then you start looking at the shiny thing but there's also oh my there's like three shiny things and so i'm kind of more interested in and in looking uh, at all these other shiny things and all of a sudden we realize we've turned away from god it happens to us all the time kids adults grandparents <laughs> it happens to all of us we turn away from god and this time of lent ash wednesday reminds us of that life in Jesus means that we will one day die. All of the shiny things will fade away. But God's grace, God's mercy, and God's promise of resurrection never fades away. We're reminded who we are, and we're reminded whose we are. So we turn back to God. I wanted that record deal so bad. So bad. I focused all of my time all of my energy into it. I didn't, didn't pay attention to my girlfriend, didn't pay attention to my family, didn't pay attention to my friends. I didn't pay attention to my God. I let everything great and wonderful in my life fall away. And Lent is a time where we're called to repent, right? Which ultimately means 
turn, right? That 180 degrees back because the world is always pulling us away. The shiny thing is always over there and, and, and we start turning away. And every time we experience Lent, we remember to turn back. See, we see our need for Jesus, our need to be a child of God when we turn away. The cost is too much. We lose what's important to us. But I want to make something clear. This is really important. Ever heard uh, the saying, oh, they found Jesus. Uh, they don't really talk to us anymore. You ever heard that? Anybody in the house ever heard that? Oh, they found Jesus. They don't really hang out with us anymore. They're kind of doing their own thing. They found the Lord, right? I once had a bass player. Uh, we, had a, we had like a show, and we were going to play the show. And he called, and he was just like, hey, guys, I'm not going to make the show. And we're like, okay. Uh, bummer because we got a show and you said you're going to be here. He's, uh, can you, can you, can you please be here? No, I sold my bass. What? Yep. Sold my bass, sold my bass amp. I sold them this afternoon. I'm like, dude, it's the afternoon still. <laughs> we, we got a show. We got a show that we're playing tonight. No, I sold it. Uh, I, the Lord told me to, I'm out. I'm not suggesting that that's what the Lord is asking you to do. Abandon your gifts completely and go in a completely different direction. Loving God and returning to God doesn't mean sacrificing everything great and wonderful in your life. It doesn't mean walking away from family or friends or loved ones. God doesn't ask us that. It's not inversely proportional, right? This turning away to family or to those wonderful things in life is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that pull you away from God. And I bet you know what those things are in your own life. You've seen them. They've pulled you away. It means leaning in to God and God's gifts in our lives. Turning back towards God means seeing all of those things around us that God has already given us and looking and paying attention to those gifts, the gifts in you, and realizing that we can't make it without God's providence. Life in Jesus is life with all of those gifts of God. So what now? All right, you ready for part two? That was part one. We're ready to go to part two of the sermon, reading scripture from Matthew chapter four. This is a fantastic scripture. Now, we uh, sometimes we would stick with a Mark reading, but I chose the Matthew reading on this one on purpose, and you're going to see why in just a second. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. When Jesus, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let me just back it up. If you guys remember what happened right before this, this was just after Jesus' baptism, right? It was the beautiful moment. He comes up out of the water, and the sky was ripped open, and uh, what's James Earl Jones' voice? This is my son, right? I mean, like, that's the moment, right? This beautiful, incredible thing, and Jesus then, boom, Mark says, immediately was ripped into the wilderness, right? Matthew says, and Jesus was led by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, which means a really long time, he was hungry. The tempter ooh, came to him and said, <laughs> every, every time I read this, I want to I do it like this. If you are the son of God, <laughs> tell us, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, come on. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him. It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor and said, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is what it looks like as a child of God. Uh, what? What, what, Pastor? That's what it looks like? Yep, that's what it looks like. It means that that life of baptismal movement in our lives means being ripped and thrown into the wilderness and knowing that we're out in the midst of that. The baptism leads to wilderness. Jesus uses then scripture to talk back to the evil one. Now, an interesting note, and the reason that I chose Matthew is that three of those four quotes are from Deuteronomy, and two of them are from Deuteronomy chapter 6, which we were just reading from. So it's highly likely that Jesus was quoting all kinds of scripture in this moment, including but not limited to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. In this moment of temptation, that came forth from the Lord. The Lord our God is the Lord alone. But maybe not for the reason that would seem super obvious. Yeah, Jesus is the manifestation of the word of God, God's love. So sure, Deuteronomy 6 would have been right in front there for Jesus. And certainly, it's a call to remember that God is the Lord of all, the Lord alone. And that means something for us in how we act. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, being soul, and always be on our minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them all the time, everywhere. But maybe there's, maybe there's one more really, really important thing here. Now, if you tuned out because you're like, all right, pastor, you're rolling, man. I'm, I'm following scriptures. It's great, man. It's Lent, but I hadn't had much coffee, so you got to get to the point really soon. Pay attention now. Deuteronomy is not nearly as much of a mandate for us as it is a call to reflect how God already loves us. Oh my gosh. Deuteronomy is not nearly as much of a mandate for how we're called to act as much as it is a reflection of how God already loves us so deeply, so completely, so fully, so overwhelmingly, all encompassing this forever love. See, I turned away to love the world more than anything else and it almost cost me my whole world. This season of Lent is about turning back that 180 degrees, turning back to God because it's there that love is truly revealed, that peace is revealed, that justice, mercy, forgiveness, hope, and our future comes to life and is revealed. Jesus' journey to the cross is a painful one. Brothers and sisters, as we follow Jesus to the cross, we know that for us, turning 180 degrees back to God can be painful too. It means leaving behind, turning away from situations, things, and maybe even some relationships that pull us away from God demanding that we leave God behind see the Deuteronomy scripture is paired with Jesus temptation in the wilderness because Jesus baptism leads immediately to real life situations wilderness situation tough realities that we all face too here he comes you can have the world if you just turn away you can have satisfaction if you just abandon your principles you can have power beyond measure if you just use your gifts to serve yourself. All of it lies. Lies that the evil one tell us, lies that we tell even ourselves. Lies that we substitute for grace, for the redemptive love of Jesus. So over these next 40 days, we turn, we turn back we turn around and we tune into God's great love and commitment to us. Church, I want you to listen to this right here. This is Deuteronomy 6, but just a, in a whole different way. You ready? We turn around because the Lord, our God, is Lord alone. 
The Lord is our God, Lord of all, and God loves us, each of us. The Lord loves you with every bit of heart, with every bit of being, with every bit of strength that the Lord has to give. The Lord's entire focus is on you. It's on all of us. The Lord doesn't ever take his eyes off of us, never removes his heart and mind and soul and strength from us, the creation, never walks away from us, never abandons us, not once, not for anything shiny or anything else. That's how God loves us. This is the good news, and I'm telling you this today so you won't ever forget it. This is the good news, so tell it to your friends, tell it to your family, tell it to your kids, everyone you know. Remember this and talk about this good news every moment of your life. When you're at home, when you're out doing whatever it is that you do, remember God's love for you every night when you lay your head on your pillow and every morning in the light of the rising sun hits your weary eyes, the Lord will provide for you today, every day, every second, every breath. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Write it in your calendar. Make it pop up like on a Google notification or something so you don't forget how God feels about you. That's a word this morning. Somebody needs to hear this and remember the only way that we can ever turn back is through God's love, God's mercy, and God's strength. So it's not even on your shoulders to turn around. We return to the Lord our God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So then remember, remember, God says, and respond. Turn back, turn around, reflect that overwhelming, abundant avalanche of love and come home to Jesus. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m., on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.